We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, Smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hands! Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome to day number two of the mailbag. We are here to jump into the questions. Fachi, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Alex. It's currently Sunday when we're recording this. They say they don't deliver mail on Sundays, but setting the pace is always checking the mailbox. <laughs> we're like FedEx, baby. We never stop, right? But let's get into it. Question number one here comes from Kevin Chaney on Twitter. He said, if moves really do happen, what are the odds we see a bench of T.J. McConnell, Lance Stevenson, and Isaiah Jackson next year? Look, McConnell isn't going anywhere this year, given that he's likely out for the year. I, I, I know he's now trade eligible, but I don't think that he's going to be moved. Um, I'm not 100% convinced that the Pacers signed Lance past this season, given the spot that the franchise is currently in. And then Isaiah Jackson, I think he'll definitely be there. I, I very much hope that he's a consistent part of the rotation. So I figure at least two-thirds of those guys will be a part of the bench rotation next year. There's a good chance Lance is back on the 15-man roster, but I don't think he'll always be in that nine-man rotation, depending on what the Pacers do. You know, if they get a bunch of young players back in trades, they're probably going to have to let Lance go. And I know it's going to be hard for Pacer fans to accept, but I think that they want to invest their money and their time in developing the young players that get back in return. Now, if they ship out more players than they keep, then there's a, there's a good chance that Lance is part of that. So if you're thinking of a trade consolidation where you trade – Lamb, Turner, and like Craig for somebody, like you do a three for one or something like that, then I understand why you're asking this question. But, you know, I don't, I don't, 
project Isaiah Jackson, Lance McConnell being the core of our bench, Fachi, whatsoever. No, no, I, I definitely hope that there's a few other guys sprinkled in there, um, you know, especially Please. if you want to be winning again, you know. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely see how that uh, how that unfolds. The trade deadline will tell us a lot. But moving on to our next question, we have DJ Davis from Twitter. Uh, is the Pacers' biggest need a dynamic, creative point guard who puts assists first? Would Fox fit, fit that mold? Anyone else? What would it take to get that type of point guard? This is a loaded question. So this is like a three-parter. but. It's really just one. So I do think that they need a dynamic creative point guard. And that's why I was screaming and hitting the table. Trade Turner and Oladipo for Chris Paul. And everybody was mad at me for saying it. But I think that would have panned out better for the Pacers. I don't know if Chris Paul would have came to Indiana or wanted to come to Indiana. But I definitely feel like that would have been a really fun player to see with the Pacers lineup of, you know, uh, TJ Warren when he was healthy for a few games and Demonte Sabonis and whoever else you got. But, you know, I just think Chris Paul is a difference maker. But um, in terms of De'Aaron Fox, I think De'Aaron Fox is a good player. I think De'Aaron Fox, however, though, has got to has got to be a little bit better. I mean, obviously, uh, it's it's been a, a good it's a good run for him out there in Sacramento, but they haven't uh, they haven't uh, got a lot of wins out there. Constantly in the lottery. I know that he's got a decent team with him, Buddy Hill, Harrison Barnes, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where I don't necessarily think that Fox is the answer to change everything for us. Now, I think he would be an upgrade over what we have now. But I, I think the type of point guard that you want is, is someone that's a little bit defensive minded, but can also run the offense and knock down three point shots. So that's that's hard to find. I think you want someone a little bit more athletic, too. So Fox is close there, doesn't fill all the boxes. I think a cheaper option could be Jalen Brunson. He's been playing really well right now with the Dallas Mavericks, and I know Rick Carlisle really likes him. So that's someone to keep an eye on. But I'm, I'm talking like in terms of like um, somebody you could get, it's probably got to come via the draft. It's, it's got to come via the draft. Look, true point guards, it's funny because, you know, Chris Paul was my immediate example as well as you. Because they're too hard to come by. There's not that many of them. So – you can't just go out and snag the next franchise-changing point guard because once they come around, they're never really up for grabs. So, you know, guys like when you talk pass-first guys, think of like Mark Jackson from the past. You know, it's been so long the Pacers have had those. Jamal Tinsley was great with, you know, being more of a passer than, than a scorer, but, like, we're looking for someone better than Jamal Tinsley. Now, look, De'Aaron Fox, uh, not – the past first point guard that you might be thinking when you're talking like a true point guard, more of a score always will be. Um, but I think like other guys out there, you mentioned the draft, like Ty Ty Washington, you know, Alex, you put me on a Ty Ty. And I just feel like ever since he had that 17 assist game, I've really been paying attention to him. And I think that he is definitely one of the premier point guards in this draft out of Kentucky. I think that that's someone that if you're looking for, for, to get, you know, really good point guard, I feel like that could be a guy on your list. Guys like DeJounte Murray, I don't think are going to be available. I mean, Murray would be fantastic for the Pacers. Great. He can do it all. He can defend well. I mean, but why would the Spurs get rid of him? You know, so that's the thing. They're too hard to come by. But, man, I would really love me a true point guard. Absolutely, Fachi. Let's move on to our next question from Gavinator. Gavinator said, um, I know there are others – in terms of fan favorites, but he wants to know ours. So his fan favorite, and he did a Mount Rushmore of them, Pachi, was Lance Stevenson, Jeff Foster, TJ McConnell, and Danny Granger. So I guess what are our uh, fan favorite top four? I don't know if I would disagree with that, but I think that's a pretty fair one. I think I'd have to put Reggie Miller in there, though, somewhere. 
Yeah, you, you got you got to sprinkle Reggie in there. I, I feel like McCon- McConnell had a fun run of like a year or so, but like I feel like Lance has to be like kind of in everyone's you know Mount Rushmore type of thing. I mean. But Lance has truly gotten his flowers from Pacer fans. I love it. Jeff Foster, just it's still you shouldn't have to say underrated loyalty, but man, that guy was loyal to the Pacers, yeah. and you gotta respect it. Danny Granger, I, I just feel like every Pacer fan, I think like you can't say something negative about Danny Granger. Yeah. You really can't. And I, I I hope that the Pacers can can one day just like I don't know, find a way to get him involved with the franchise. And then obviously Reggie Miller. Look, selfishly, Jermaine O'Neal is going to be in every single list that I could ever make of anything. All right. That is my guy. So I would just say right over there, you know, that that that's that's my fan favorite list. Yeah, I think that Dell Davis needs to be in this list yeah, because yeah. Dell Davis was and my, fans loved Dell Davis back two in the day. Two-time pacer. Yeah, two-time pacer Dell Davis. So I think Dale's got to be in here. I think Reggie Miller has to be in here. I'll go with Lance. And I, I'll probably go Danny Granger. That'd be my four. I think Foster's really close, though, because people really liked him. But Danny Granger, I mean, he was the only thing that made this team interesting when they absolutely sucked under Jim O'Brien. So that's the only positive there with Danny Granger, but, um, you know, in that time frame, but or the paces, I should say. But yeah, I, I just feel like everybody loved Dale Davis. I mean, everybody that I talked to, I remember as a kid, I loved him because my parents loved him. So, you know, Dale Double D was a big fan favorite as well. But, uh, yeah, so let's move on, Fachi, number four. We have Tyler Christian uh, from Twitter. He said, since KP has never made a midseason seller trade before, do you fear he's going to wait too long to move a player and get a lesser return? Yeah, so um, – I don't, I don't think that he's going to wait this year. I would be absolutely stunned. I, I really would. I would be surprised if they did not make a move this offseason or this this season, excuse me, before the deadline. But I do think, you know, we talked about it a, a little while ago when it came to the Bogdanovich years, the Darren Collison year, whenever Oladipo got hurt, they could have sold that season. And, you know, they probably would have missed the playoffs, got a better draft pick and been able to get some more draft picks by trading some of those guys. Instead, they ride it out and get swept by the Boston Celtics. And I get it. You don't try to lose games, but at the same time, he missed out on that opportunity. And and to this point, you know, he's tried to trade Turner a few different times in the offseason, but it hasn't worked. So we'll, uh, or at least they haven't found the value that they're looking for in return. So I, I think that at this point with Turner now having an injury, uh, you have to monitor that. But we, we really need to just make a move before it's too late because you're right, Tyler. If he does wait any longer, man, this is going to be a weird return in the offseason. Absolutely. I mean, you talked about it. That season where the Pacers were not sellers and the reward was getting swept by Boston without Sabonis, I mean, it was just – it was terrible. It, it was it was awful. Um, so, at this point, look, I mean, then Bogdanovich walks for agency. So, that's tough. But at this point now, when you're here and Turner's got that left foot injury, we don't know the extent of it. If for some reason Turner is not cleared for a while or it scares teams off, that that puts the Pacers in a rough spot because now they're heading into the offseason where you have guys like Lavert and Turner, if they're not moved, that are then going to be expiring contracts where at that point you're not getting the same type of trade value that you hope for perhaps at the deadline for the season before because at that point that's when you can re- realistically get that first-round pick on a young player. Um, if you're in an expiring situation, then it leads to then more be like you're going to get a couple players, maybe some second-round picks but maybe not that first round pick and the young players. 
Yeah, let's move on to question number five here from Ivan Burden on Twitter. He said, what do you need to see from TJ Warren to offer a new contract? Man, I, I, I would say I, I just want to see, can he, can he be at least 80% of himself? Can he still defend? Because if, be, if you can be playing that small ball four and you could defend and still score, I'm not asking you to put up the 20 points per game you were doing before. What if it's like an efficient 15, but you're defending well? Because that would be very important because at this point, look, we know Warren wants to get paid, but it sounds like he'd be willing to potentially take a little bit of a discount. We are talking about a guy that's missed a full calendar year at this point. So can can you come back at 80% of what you were before? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, T.J. Warren is such a hard conversation to have because we don't know what he is right now. We don't know what he looks like. We don't know why they're holding him out. We don't really know anything about TJ Warren and this injury. So it's a bit concerning. I think the Pacers have to be smart here. I think a lot of it determines is determined on who they get via trade if they do make trades with Levert and Turner or, or Sabonis before the deadline. If they get players that fill that same position of need that TJ Warren plays, then maybe you let TJ Warren walk. But he's openly said he wants to be in Indiana. He likes it here. It's pretty quiet. I think the Pacers have been a much different team without T.J. Warren on the floor. So if there's a chance you can keep him on a cheaper contract with you know a, a one year a one year team option after one year guaranteed, I think that's the route to go because T.J. Warren has to prove, hey, I can stay healthy. And the Pacers are doing, hey, we believe in you but let's work this out. So I think they could decline the team option if he does play well and give them a bigger contract after the next season, or they could pick up that team option and then renegotiate an extension later. But ultimately, I would just like to see this team, if they can, bring him back on a scaled-down contract because of the injury, and hopefully that it it works out. But I I still think if you sign him to a lower-year deal, Fachi, you could still move him, um, especially if he can come back and play just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, I don't want to say that I'm totally out on TJ Warren. I just want to be able to see that that this guy can can potentially stay healthy. And, I, and there's no way to really determine that. But if he looks shaky coming off of being out for over a year, it, it, the Pacers have to really be thinking twice, maybe even three times about committing any type of contract that's going to pay him roughly $20 million per year. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. All right, let's move on to the next question, Fletch. So we have Asia Fire coming from Instagram. Um, that's if we get a top 10 pick or top eight pick, which position should we focus on? I know that some talents are the best option no matter where they play, but I guess after the fifth pick, it's a bit hard to find those game-changing players like Doncic or Ja. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, you know, but Jamal Murray was drafted seventh, and I think a lot of people would consider him a really talented player. And Fits really well next to uh, Jokic, right? So he doesn't have to be the star. But I think, you know, if you're looking at that range, you still got to look best player available. I still think this team needs some wing depth. That's why we were so in on Cam Reddish, Foch. We need someone like that. And I think there are a few guys out there. We'll get into more trade or more draft stuff later. But I think that's a position to look at. I think if there's a four out there that you think could be better than Isaiah Jackson, then you draft him and put him next to Sabonis and give him that opportunity. But I also think point guard is another big one. Those are the, those are the three big ones I, I think they need. But most importantly, I would say a wing player and a point guard. 
Yeah, I mean, look, we've been in search of a wing for quite some time. This this draft is honestly really deep with power forwards in terms of like being some of the top guys. Uh, you know, in your first few picks. Um, when you look at that point guard, Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky, that's, that's what I mentioned. I, I've seen him now being slated to go to the Pacers in many mock drafts if the Pacers are picking around fifth or sixth. But getting a wing would be super important. There's a guy, Benedict Matherin. He's a, he's a sophomore, 6'7 wing from Arizona. He's projected to be right in that 6 to 10 range. Um, I, he looks seems very, very talented. I uh, watched some highlights, just some box score stuff. So I look forward to watching actual games of his. Um, because when you look at the, the two-guard spot, look, we, we just drafted Chris Duarte to hold down the two-guard spot. I mean, still got Levert on the roster. Obviously, he could be moved. Still got Brogdon for the next couple of years who could play off ball a bit. You know, I mean, we, we got to see. So I don't want to be loading up at the two-guard spot. I would really love that point guard or wing position, just like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, so I'll, I've already talked about Ty Ty Washington. You guys have seen me put some clips out there of Jaden Ivey on uh, on Twitter as well. And I watched some of the IU game versus Iowa. But Keegan Murray, he did not look great in that game, not because he played bad, but as because his brother, Chris, was going off. And, you know, he just didn't have a, a big impact in that game, but he still looked all right. Um, we know that last week the Pacers were at the Baylor-TCU game monitoring and scouting Kendall Brown. He's a six-foot-eight small forward. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. But another guy that's been rising up the board is a small forward out of Duke, A.J. Griffin, the son of Adrian Griffin, an assistant coach, I believe, with the Toronto Raptors. So A.J. Griffin is a guy that people are really starting to catapult up the board. Like the last couple of weeks when I looked, he was not even in the lottery, and now he's jumped all the way up to eight on tankathon.com. So that's a guy to keep an eye on as well. He's six foot six, 222 pounds. I think he could provide a, a need as well. But yeah, um, a lot of guys there, you know, I still am monitoring Patrick Baldwin Jr. I, I think that six foot 10, 205, small four power forward possibility is something to keep an eye on. But yeah, there's definitely some guys in this group that I really, really like Foch. So even if we don't get in the top three, which I think is where there's a big drop off after, you know, there's still some guys that I really like. And if we got anywhere from like, five to six, maybe even seven. I think we have a really good chance of landing someone that could be a starter for this team from day one. Absolutely. So that's what I'm really excited about. That's kind of what I've sold myself on now. It's like initially I was, we need a top 10 pick. Then I, I creep my way up to, we need a top eight pick. Now, man, I want to be top five. I want it bad. Absolutely. I mean, I want a top two pick. Don't get me wrong. I would love to just it's gonna be a game be changer. But, you know, every time I do tankathon, the Pacers usually always fall back whenever I push it. So maybe I'm just bad luck when it comes to that. But let's move on. This comes from Lottie Dottie on Instagram. He said, hey, guys, most of the players we acquire through trade or is signing always have career years with us. That's why I'm big on trading for guys like Sexton, Hachimura, Fox, Hield, and Harrison Barnes. But when they do, the players get all the credit. When do you think we finally get our respect and credit we deserve when it comes to player development? <laughs> We mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, the Pacers have had five most improved player yeah. of the year awards. Jalen Rose, Jermaine O'Neal, Danny Granger, Paul George, Victor Oladipo. So we do need to get some credit there. Sabonis absolutely flourished as a Pacer when, not to call him a throw-in in the deal, but the, the deal for Paul George, Oladipo was considered by far the bigger piece. So, you know, Sabonis shocked a lot of people there. Pacers, you know, Definitely deserves some credit for developing him. However, until you build an actual contender and have a potential MVP, we're not going to get the type of credit that Milwaukee got with Giannis or Denver developing Jokic. So if you're sitting there as just a 
consistent playoff team, you know, this year, not even, and you're really not on national television, I'm sorry, but we're not going to get that respect. I think a lot of stuff that we should look at here is like we acquired players that were buried in the rotation, right? And when we got those players, we gave them a bigger opportunity and they flourished. So sure, we should get some credit for that. But I think the players deserve the most credit because they're getting an opportunity and they're seizing the moment, right? It, I mean, I understand the organization should definitely get some get some love for being able to develop players, but they've also, you know, not developed a lot of players too. I mean, if they're not playing, they're not developing. Like look at Gogo Batadze, look at TJ Leaf, look at Aaron Holiday. All the players they've drafted have not been great, you know, over the last couple of years. Sure, uh, they got Sabonis, and uh, he did not look good with OKC. They had him starting in OKC and try to use him as like a stretch four next to Stephen Adams. And we know Sabonis, that's not his game. And so he kind of fell out of the rotation. He comes here, and he's an awesome backup big and eventually becomes the all-star, the two-time all-star. Victor Oladipo did the same thing uh, after being with OKC, but he was with Orlando too. I mean, I think the Pacers have done a good job of targeting players that have potential to be breakout candidates for for star uh, for an all star right as all star breakout candidates or just good player candidates to break out from where they're currently at, but doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be all stars. I just think overall they've done a good job at it. But you know, with that being said, it's got to give you got to give the players a credit. I I, I mean, <laughs> they're the ones putting in the work every single day, and if the players not putting in the work on and off the court, then the the organization can only do so much with them. Exactly. I feel like in the NFL, they'll get more credit. Like if you're like a, you know, a, a quarterback's coach or like an offensive coordinator and you develop like a, like a quarterback, then, then it might be like, Oh, Hey, this guy's up for a head coaching role. You know, got to give him a lot of credit over there. Um, but I feel like in the NBA, those, those coaches don't get as much credit. So sometimes I feel like it takes play, uh, coaches a long time to be able to get that credit to get another head coaching job when the credit does go to the players. And I, I kind of think it's rightfully so to an extent. They're the ones that are waking up super, super early, putting in the work day in, day out. So, you know, yeah. th that's just how it is. Totally agree, Fudge. All right. So for our next question, we have uh, Adam is hungry from Reddit. <laughs> Aren't we all, Adam? Uh, he says, ever since the news hit the pace, hit, hit that the Pacers might be open to moving some players and shifting away from the current core, it feels like everyone is just in lame duck mode. The fans are more interested in trade theories and actual games. The players kind of check out and let the game slip away. With the trade deadline still a few weeks away, is there anything you're watching for while we wait for the trade meteor to hit? Yeah, this is a really great question, Adam, um, because it's true. I, I think everybody, when it comes to us talking basketball in here, I've noticed that people just don't care. They're like, you know, someone tweeted at Caitlin Cooper, who does a fantastic job covering this team and breaking down the X's and O's. Like, why are you even covering this team with how bad they are? Like, nobody cares about what's going on in the court as long as we're getting losses and making sure that we do not run this back. I mean, that's what everybody's hoping for. So what I'm looking for is just seeing what combinations of lineups work while they're on the court, right? I, I think it's interesting to see, hey, is Lance Stevenson playing well enough to keep his contract longer than a 10-day contract, right? Um, how does Sabonis look with Torrey Craig and O'Shea said? How has Miles Turner looked? With Torrey Craig and O'Shea said, has Lance looked good without Sabonis on the floor? Not as much. How does Karis LeVert play with Lance? It's not looked great to me so far. Um, what do Duarte and Lance look like together? I mean, I'm, I've been looking a lot at Lance stuff, but Lance has been getting some more minutes off the bench than most of the other guys. But I felt like the last game against the Suns, it was a rough game for him, so he didn't see as much time. But I'm really just looking at lineup combinations. And, and quite frankly, I'm just kind of looking for guys that are playing hard the whole time, trying to prove they want to be there. So, 
it's been more enjoyable for me to watch guys like Kiefer Sykes get out there and get that opportunity. While he's not great, obviously Brogdon's a much better player than he is. It's still interesting to, to watch a guy like Kiefer Sykes try to develop his game. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. And, you know, I definitely think that Sabonis has looked much, much better over the last couple of games when he's been out there with that bench unit. And it's been the most fun for me to watch is that core play together. Yeah, look, Adam, aside from being hungry, you're absolutely right. Now, the, the <laughs> players, they likely know that – I think they, they know that change is probably coming. I think they're trying to be professional about it. I think a guy like Levert probably doesn't expect to be in Indiana long-term. I know he, you know they failed to reach a contract extension earlier in the offseason. He's yeah. hearing his name in trade rumors. So he probably feels like, hey, let me just do my best to ball out and, and land elsewhere. Turner, obviously the frustration's building. We're seeing that unfold right in front of us the cryptic messages the things on the court struggling you know it's it's obvious so I'm looking to see how he responds over the coming weeks about it um but then I'm also like I mentioned before I'm looking to see the young guys develop I want to see some Isaiah Jackson and I want to see him now I I really want to see that man catching lobs blocking shots and letting us know that Hey, it's not just one really good rookie that we got in last year's class. Isaiah Jackson can play ball. So at this point, I'm even turning my attention to I need to see the mystery that is Goga Bataze. I need to see him. I yeah, have to see we him. We have it, though. And then we have it. And then, like you mentioned, Kiefer, Dwayne Washington, it's been great. Kiefer Sykes' story is awesome. Like, I, I love the fact that both those guys even came on our show before. We didn't yeah. know how much we were going to get to see them play this year. And now, all of a sudden, you know, for a while at least, they're playing big minutes, starting games. I mean, that's been cool seeing Sabonis play much better than, you know, in the beginning of the year when I felt like they weren't playing through him or giving him the same amount of shots. I mean, that, that's that been fun to watch. Lance coming back has just been an awesome story that all fans needed because days before the Pacers signed Lance, this fan base was struggling. Struggle bus. Yep, to watch Pacer games. It was getting tough. That pumped some life into this fan base for even just a little bit. And at this point now, it's like, look, we're not expecting the Pacers to ever come out and say, hey, we're tanking. But it's like, can you do enough where it looks like we're not getting embarrassed on television? And we're also, hey, maybe not winning games heading towards a really good pick. So stuff like that. But develop the young guys. That's really what I want to see. Please, that's what I'm asking for. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question comes from Indie Poker. At uh, they're on Reddit, and uh, they have a three-part question here, Fachi. So get ready to answer some questions back to back to back. But why are we so bad at moving the ball? We don't have true playmakers. We have players trying to be uh, playmakers. We don't play fast. We don't throw lobs. Uh, we don't even have the same type of cutters that we had like last year. With like McDermott was great at it. Had a great relation. I mean, there is just so much that this team is lacking that. Uh, to, to be honest, it's probably going to get worse before it gets any better. Yeah, another thing, too, is we're a bad three-point shooting team, so it's easier to oh, defend yeah. us. You know what I'm saying? They're like, okay, shoot the three. We don't care. They're just going to pack the paint, and then you're trying to play through Sabonis while the paint's being packed, and teams are focusing on him, and he can only do so much. Like, the best game when we played, ball movement-wise, has been against the Rockets, and they're one of the worst defenses, and then the Jazz without Rudy Gobert. So, I mean, yeah, when you got some flaws to the other team, hey, we don't look too bad, but, hey, when we – uh we're going up against the what the team that we're playing has their best to offer. Yeah, it's not a little good. And I think a lot of it, too, is like no true point guard. Like with Brogdon out, like the team is a much worse team at moving the ball. Uh, Karis LeVert, that guy can pound the air out of the ball sometimes and gets a little bit sticky with the offense. And I think another thing, too, that we haven't talked about enough, TJ McConnell. Uh, that's a guy that really does a great job of moving in the offense and getting things going. Even when he wasn't utilized always greatly in the beginning of the season, that is just a guy that desperately changes the pace of the game. And while I've been kind of hit or miss on wanting to keep him long term, I just don't know if he fits Carlisle's system. I still think that ball movement wise, he is probably the best true point guard this team has. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, look, McConnell's assist to turnover ratio is just it far exceeds what the Pacers currently have. I mean, I, I miss those days. I, I miss McConnell being able to have you know like eight assists to like one turnover or, or even better than that. And just being able to push the ball and it, it isn't, you know, contagious. Um, and I just feel like right now the Pacers have just played such a slow pace. So there is a couple other parts uh, for this question. Uh, you want to go to the next part? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you see the Pacers increasing fan interaction after getting rid of miles in a trade? No Turner equals no Turner's block. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely going to be awkward if that happens. I mean, if Turner gets moved and then Turner's block, I don't know. It'll just become the Mountain Dew fan zone, and then next year I guarantee it'll be called like Duarte's Den, something like that. I, I could easily see something like that. <laughs> yeah, I really could. They'll so. rebrand it. Who cares? It's not yeah. that big a deal. I think they traded Rodney Stuckey one year whenever there was a fan section with him up there, so it's it's not that big of a deal. Yep, Hibbert had his fan section for a while. So, I yeah. mean – The original – Area yep. 55. Exactly. So things change uh, for fan engagement. Look, this season, it, it has a chance to get ugly. It really does. I mean, I think towards the end of the year, I mean, it, it could be 
pretty empty in, in the stadium. So, you know, it, it could be rough, but we're going to have to wait and see that. Um, that That's honestly what comes when you don't put a great product on the floor. Yeah, so let's answer this last one. This is a fun one. If you're if you got the number one pick in next year's draft, but you're offered Steph Curry instead, which are you taking? This was really hard to answer. Like, I don't know if I could have like looked in the mirror and answered this question because Steph Curry is an absolute stud. I mean, one of the best players to play the game. However, Curry turns 34 years old in about two months. So would you rather have a couple years of Curry or having the number one overall pick for potentially nine years? Now, this draft does not have like a LeBron James in it. So, you know, Jabari Smith being looked at as, you know, the, the, the top guy. I mean, I don't know if he's a franchise guy or not, but I don't think I can turn down the number one overall pick when this Pacers team never picks that high. So it's yeah. sickening, but I think I'm turning down the Curry deal. I think I'm doing the same thing, Fatch, and here's why. You know, you said at 34 years old this year, um, and honestly, I get it. You're trying to win now, and Steph Curry does help you do that. But does he really help you with this current roster, the way it's constructed, win that many games? I mean, I'm sure he impacts it a ton because he's doing a great job. But look at all the fluidity they have out there in Golden State. Like, he doesn't have Draymond here. He won't have Clay here. He won't have even an Andrew Wiggins here. We don't even have a wing as good as Andrew Wiggins on this roster. So, I mean, you're talking about a major step back in talent. And, you know, the biggest thing is the Pacers need that longevity of a star, right? They need that that rookie to come in here for that four years plus the hopefully extension that you're going to get them on. So, yeah, I, I think this is a no-brainer here with taking the number one overall pick. But the worst case scenario is that number one pick turns out to be Markel Fultz type level of player. Yep. And everybody looks at your franchise. Oh, Kevin Pritchard's an idiot. He should have drafted. Oh, such and such. Or he should have traded for Curry instead of drafting Markel Fultz. You know what I mean? Like that is the fear that you have because the draft, you know, even the number one pick can be a major bust. So, uh, you know, it's just, you have to trust your gut instincts. And I think at that point, you know, Pacer fans who are living in the moment would completely understand why you would turn down a 34 year old Steph Curry and overdrafted a 1921, 19 to 20 year old player that could be with your franchise for all of their youth and per, preferred prime. Yeah. And plus, look, it's not just like you get Curry and all of a sudden it's like, hey, all right, there we go. It's like you get Curry and then you have to be willing to pay largely into the tax, which the Pacers have showed they're not going to be doing. It changes everything that you're doing. So uh, I don't see the Pacers all of a sudden putting all the chips in and saying, we're going for a championship right now, willing to spend every dollar possible. So look, go with the number one pick. We're, we're in a different direction. We're not a step Curry away from winning at all. So. Um, next question, Juan Judah, loyal supporter of the show, always submitting questions. Appreciate you. Um, he says, I know this goes against normal Pacer standards, but I was wondering if you guys feel the same way. I think we're in the midst of a stealth tank mission. With the team holding players to the deadline and not making any major moves, I think the hope is that by the deadline we are so out of the running record-wise that no matter who we bring in, we won't make the playoffs and we'll secure a top-five pick. Sorry for the long-winded question, but what are your guys' thoughts? Love you guys. Keep up the awesome work. Go Pacers. Love you too, Juan. Thanks so much for sending in that question. And it's actually something I brought up on yesterday's episode with uh, Ed Lolly bringing it up, or I might have brought it up today. I can't even remember. We're recording these back-to-back. So uh, I brought it up earlier with Ed Lolly sending me that question too. And I, I think that's a great thought. You know, they could be stealth tanking. It, it definitely feels like they know this team is uh, – 
is not playing well. And if they continue to do that, they're going to continue to rack up losses. 13 games under 500. Brogdon injured. Jeremy Lamb injured. Now Miles Turner injured. Like, hey, who knows what's going to happen with this roster. But I do think another thing to bring up as well is what we've been hearing report-wise. This entire trade deadline is all going to be about teams wanting to be buyers over sellers. So it will be a seller's market. And the Pacers are trying to hold out to see what they can get and really force teams to give them some substantial offers. So I think a little bit of it's tanking, but I think, honestly, the major reason why they're trying to drive up the asking price for their players, and that's that's good business. You know, most trades don't happen until the week of the deadline anyway. So you, you, you fear that your guys that you might want to trade get hurt. I understand that. We've talked about that. But ultimately, this is good business. Wait till the week of the deadline before you make any drastic changes and once you get a great offer you can't refuse, you make that trade. But if you don't get an offer you love, then you could be stuck trying to make a quick decision. But uh, I don't think the Pacers will make a bad trade just to make a trade. They will unfortunately ride this thing out to the offseason if they don't get the, the trade offer they like. But I don't think that especially Miles Turner's camp would be very happy with him having to finish the year out here in Indiana. Two famous uh, quotes from Kevin Pritchard. We don't make a trade just to make a trade, and we're going to be a tough out. So, you know, right now the Pacers are not just going to make any trade just to do it. I think just like you mentioned, they're going to ride this out, wait for the best possible deal because, you know, sometimes you might see there could be an injury to another team. What if a team loses a big that all of a sudden now, you know, it's urgent for them. Or, you know, maybe uh, a team starts to win a few more games and, and they're in it. Now they want to make a move and kind of push the chips in. So uh, I, I think at this point, I can't say that you're wrong, Juan. Uh, the Pacers would never, ever come out and say they're tanking. I think that a lot of a lot of fans probably wouldn't return to the games. But secretly, we're hoping this is a conspiracy theory we can all get behind. Um, I, I think that the deadline, though, you, you got to make some deals. You got to be able to bring in some young talent or some draft picks, open up some playing time for some of the younger guys. So I, I think at this point, like I said, it's important to not get blown out and embarrassed. The Pacers are keeping games close but losing. So it's it's working in our favor. Um, but that, that that's the thing. We, we got to be able to make some moves when the time comes because – you know, you hold on to some players for too long and they know they're not going anywhere for the rest of the year. That's when we might be seeing some true frustration, some rough comments coming out. And that's when tempers could have, re- I feel like, really hit its boiling point. Yeah, it's 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 been a long, long season, Fachi. I can't remember the last time two seasons have felt this long in my life. But here we are. And our last question today on this podcast comes from Fester35. Fachi, I don't know if you jinxed it last week by laughing about the three questions but uh you know fester only sent a one part question in today so fester hope everything is okay with you we're used maybe to be a bad cell service yeah, maybe so we're, we're used awesome. to getting three questions from fester but fester 35 has limited to one maybe the team's just been so bad he, he couldn't come up with three questions for it so anyway fester we appreciate you man thanks for always sending in questions but his question was if brogdon wasn't extended i feel like the chances of Levert being dealt would be significantly lower as Brogdon would be the one on the block. Thoughts? I think if Brogdon wasn't extended and is staying healthy, I do feel like Brogdon is probably most likely to be moved this year at the deadline. I feel like he his skill set fits a lot of teams. Um, and Levert, I feel like at this point, you know, you could probably say, like, oh, you know, we might be able to put him in a little bit of a more permanent, you know, different type of role and maybe, but I, I definitely do think that Brogdon would be on the move, you know, 
I, I would I would put it at very likely Brogdon shipped out if he was not extended. Yeah, I, I think Brogdon could be had for sure, but I don't think it would change uh, the Pacers' you know stance on keeping Lavert over trading him because I just don't think defensively he's been good enough. I think no. I think he's made a lot of comments throughout the season shading a little bit what yeah, Rick Carlisle I've, said. I've noticed it. So it's to me, I still think Lavert is the odd man out here between the two, but I definitely think both of them would be more likely to be traded than not. Um, just because Brogdon could really sweeten some deals for some teams because Brogdon's a really good player. Like, I know we don't like him here because he's not a true point guard, but put him on a different team, I think he'd be a much different player. Like, look at what he did with, obviously, Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, he was a really good player there. He wanted a bigger role here, and sometimes I think guys that won bigger roles, you know, it doesn't always work out. Like, we talked about most improved players like Brogdon, we thought had a chance of being a most improved player. But, no, I mean, I, I don't think he's good enough to be uh, a guy that – you know, goes from what he had role-wise with Milwaukee to translating to a thousand wins over here for the Pacers, right? You know, a significant uptick in wins. But I, I just think that Lavert, defensively-wise, he's much worse than Brogdon. He's probably a little bit better shot creator. I'll give him that. But his chemistry with Domas is not perfect. Um, I, I feel like no matter what, Brogdon is – a safer bet to be on this team than Lavert if both were available this season to be traded. But yeah, I, I, I think Lavert, he just doesn't fit here and uh, that's okay. They got Chris Duarte waiting in the wings and uh, he's going to get an opportunity. I think when Lavert is traded, depending on what they get back. So a lot of things here to monitor, but yeah, um, no, I don't think it will be significantly lower. I'm sorry that I don't agree with you, Fester. Hey, you know, we'll, we'll never know, but uh, you know, I feel like a team like the Lakers would have loved to be able to get their hands on Brogdon this year. Oh, yeah. Um, For what, so, though? Uh, exactly. That's the thing. The Lakers want to get their hands on everybody yeah. this year, and they're not willing to offer anyone other than, like, probably like DeAndre Jordan and, like, Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't played yet. So, you know, it's just not appealing. They're in a rough spot, the Lakers are. I mean, I, I understand that the Pacers are bad right now and the Lakers are still trying to compete because, look, they got LeBron and Anthony Davis. Don't get me wrong. But the rest of their roster is consumed with Taylor Horton Tucker's contract and then the Russell Westbrook $45 million contract for this season. And I think it goes to, like, 48 next year. So yep. it's just ridiculous. Like, they can't get anything. And, you know, it's LeBron's fault in a sense because LeBron was the one pushing for the rest, the Russell Westbrook trade. Now look at that Lakers team. I mean, Westbrook does not fit whatsoever, and I think everybody could have seen that from a 1,000 miles away. But LeBron James, you know, didn't do it. And so now LeBron's probably going to want to get him out of there before the deadline. But I don't know what team's going to take him. I don't know if any team would. The only team I think that could possibly do it is like the Clippers. But anyway, I'm getting off topic here. Uh, I had a long conversation with somebody that covers the Lakers today uh, about what's going on, and they're just like, you know what, make LeBron deal with it. But uh, ultimately, Fachi, we've answered a lot of questions today. So uh, this is our 11th question on today's podcast. So hope you guys enjoyed that. We're going to be back on Tuesday with our Trade Talk Tuesday episode. So hoping to get a guest on to answer uh, a couple questions in regards to uh, some of our prospects that could be traded. But we have at least 10 questions lined up for you guys to answer there. But we're going to wrap up today's show. Fachi, tell the people where they can find us at on the good old social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. 
And if you're excited to be listening to another episode of Setting the Pace tomorrow, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.